I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can reach us on the show on our Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod. And you can also reach me on my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. Hi, I'm Jake. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's and I write for EPL Index. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, Jake. It's just the two of us today. Obviously, Louis is uh, busy and I'll be back next week. Um, but to start things off, I'll uh, take us through the fix or the, the results actually from last weekend. Um, starting with the Preston and Derby County game on the Friday night, which ended nil-nil. So Skyview is definitely getting their money's worth with that one. Um, moving into Saturday, everyone else played. So you've got Birmingham beating Nottingham Forest 2-0. Brentford beating Blackburn 5-2 in quite an impressive turnaround after Blackburn went two goals up very early on. Bristol City beat Swansea 2-0. Hull City beat Stoke City 2-0. Sheffield Wednesday won 1-0 away at Ipswich Town. Middlesbrough and Rotherham and Reading against Villa were both 0-0. Sheffield United beat Bolton 2-0. Middlesbrough, in one of the surprise results of the weekend, went to West Brom and won 3-2. Wigan beat QPR 2-1 at home. And then the late game on Saturday saw Norwich City go to Ellen Road and beat Leeds United 3-1. Obviously, we'll start first this week, Jake, with um, sort of standout players across those games. Are there any in particular that stand out for you? Because I know I've got sort of a few, uh, definitely, that I'd like to speak about. Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, I know we'll come on to the Leeds-Norwich game later in a bit more detail, so I'll leave that one for now. Um, the Middlesbrough result was a standout one for me. Um, I, th- I thought Middlesbrough had been struggling recently, not scoring enough goals, uh, sort of struggling to get results and, and falling off the pace over the top of the league, although staying in the playoffs, they were falling off the top teams. And I know we've spoken about this on this podcast before, uh, before that Middlesbrough were a team that could have been promoted automatically. So that was a really pleasing win for them to go to a rival club and, and to win 3-2, um, especially if they did come from behind. Um, it was, was really pleasing, especially after they took an early lead and would have been easy to, to get down after conceding the two goals. But but they came back in it. Uh, and Brett Sumberlonga, for me, is, is the standout player there. Um, been a bit of a weird one for him at Middlesbrough. He hasn't had as much game time as he'd wanted. I know he nearly went off to Bristol City, I believe, in, in, in the January window. But he, he came off the bench there, got two goals. And if, if they could get him firing a fit uh, over the next few weeks uh, and months, he could play a massive role in in their promotion hopes. Uh, he's so good. Um, uh, and it's been a shame to see how injuries and being out of favour has sort of negatively affected him. Because I think we all thought he'd be a you know, a top championship striker, especially by now, but it just seems it, like it hasn't clicked for him, so that was really encouraging to see him get those two goals. Um, another one, a bit of a weird one, but um, sometimes you've got to focus down the bottom of the table, and thought Leon Clark, new signing for Wigan, uh, been there before, joined from Sheffield uh, United on loan, who've obviously done a lot of business themselves. Um, he got a goal and assist in his, um, I think it was his debut, or at least one of his first matches, so it was... Really, really encouraging to see that leading the line as a, on its own um, against a QPR team that 
we've been big fans of on the pod. Um, we've lost it a bit of late, but if if you look at the stats, QPR had twenty one shots to seven, uh, dominated the game. But Leon Clark had showed his experience and quality to to produce the, the cutting edge needed, and that was a huge win for Wigan, who I, I think we've spoken about that we'd be we'd be fearful for them. But that moved them up uh, as as many as as nine. Is it seven point? Yeah, seven points off the the bottom three now. So that's that's really really pleasing for them uh, and puts a bit of gap between them and Reading. So that was a huge win uh, and a huge performance from Leon Clark. So the two big ones for me, aside from a couple of Norwich players, that I'll probably talk about later on. Yeah, I completely agree. The ones you mentioned, I was gonna sort of try and stay clear of yours this week. Um, I know over the last few weeks we've all seemed to pick the same players. So two straight away that stood out for me. Um, first, actually, sort of seeing them play live in the flesh on Friday night was Richard Keogh for Derby. Um, I know he sort of divides opinion for for Derby fans. You know, some people saying he's not up to it, but on uh, Friday night, you know, winning the Man of the Match award from uh, sort of the Sky Pundits. I thought he was absolutely excellent. Really sort of negated our attacking threat. You know, six goals in the last two away games for us. You know, we were a team full of confidence going forwards. And while we still had 23 shots on goal, I'd struggle to remember now, you know, a really clear-cut chance um, where I'd say we definitely should have scored. So, I think he really stood out for me, especially with the issues Derby have had at the back in recent weeks. Obviously, Wisdom and Bogle were missing. So, you know, for him to put in a performance like that was definitely needed for Derby. So that would be my first standout player. Um, the second that I wanted to focus on, and they've found it quite difficult over the last few months, and um, I'm talking about Brentford, Ollie Watkins in particular. You know, they started the season like house on fire and were sort of tipped by many, especially us on here, as, as one of the dark horses for not necessarily the playoffs, but even the top two. So to see how they've fallen, you know, over sort of the last couple of months has been quite surprising. But to go 2-0 down early to Blackburn, you know, Ollie Watkins sort of at the heart of that comeback, two goals and an assist in added time for for Canos really sort of set the tone for them. And, you know, that's a win against the team that are also chasing the playoffs. So if they can start to put a run together now, it's so tight in that chasing pack that, you know, they could find themselves right back up there. Um, obviously, the the third player I was going to touch on, I'll say for later, I know you mentioned there, Jake, that we're going to touch on the Leeds-Norwich game in a bit more detail, um, sort of a little bit later on. So I don't want to sort of use up all my points now for them. Um, so we've sort of focused on players of the weekend there. Are there any games in particular, sort of as a wider aspect that stand out for you, um, sort of a win at the weekend, or are there any that stood out for you from sort of shock results? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think I think that Middlesbrough game really does stand out. Um, they, they've struggled to score goals. We know Tony Pulis likes to keep games tight and keep goals to a minimum. So, so to try and three to away from home against West Brom, that's such a turn up from what we expect from Middlesbrough. Um, I know we've, we we've discussed West Brom at length this year about their attack and and how good it is and the amount of goals they've got in it. So maybe that's that was the way Middlesbrough had to go. Um, but they, they were that was a really surprising result and, and to get it back late after going behind uh, was really impressive and could be the shot in the arm that, that Middlesbrough need to get back amongst the, the top two picks. They're only seven points off the top uh, with a game in hand over both those teams. So you know they've got real, real opportunity, uh, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't rule them out at this stage, especially as we've seen, you know Leeds that they've lost four of their last six now. Norwich look very, very good. Uh, at least they did against Leeds, but 
they're, they're still not exactly running away with it. Got got two wins of the in their last six, so it's not it's not amazing form. Although they will take a lot out of getting four points from the, the their nearest contenders in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, I, th- I think that was a, a really encouraging one. I think the Bristol City one as well. We've to, to get that win to finally move into the playoffs, only on goal difference. But so many teams have been been trying to get into those playoffs, and so many so many have failed. Uh, we've spoken about Birmingham, QPR, Hull, Blackburn, Nottingham Forest, uh, Aston Villa, and it's Bristol City that have done it, and they've sort of gone under the radar. So, and Swansea have been very good recently. Uh, I know they sold a few players uh, near the end of the window, but that was a really, really good win for Bristol City, and, and they're so strong at home. I know we've spoken about how inconsistent they can be, and, and five wins out of five is probably not sustainable, but to, to it's it's a huge mental victory to get into those playoffs, and it will give them real confidence. And, and Derby uh, to fall out, I know we're going to come on to them later, but that it was, it was a big weekend uh, in that respect because those top six have sort of been settled for... A, a long, long time, uh, and, and for Bristol City to break into it, huge. So I think that those two are the ones that stick out for me. Yeah, I was going to sort of focus on, I touched on it earlier with the Ollie Watkins performance, the Brentford result for me. Um, obviously, I mentioned that they found it tricky in, in recent sort of months. And to go 2-0 down, I think, in the open in seven minutes, Bradley Dack and Danny Graham getting the goals. With the way it's been going for them, you know, it would have been easy for heads to drop um, and, you know, just to sort of fall to another defeat against sort of a team in and around them in the league. But the character that they showed, you know, to get a goal back, you know, within I think it was about five minutes of going 2-0 down, got to half time, still 2-1 down. And the last sort of 15, 20 minutes absolutely blew Blackburn away. I think in the last, I think, 16, 17 minutes, um, got three goals. Ollie Watkins obviously getting the goal midway through the second half that, that got them back level. But to sort of finish game that strongly when, you know, they went 2-0 down, brilliant for them. And, you know, I, I said earlier that I think if they can put a little run together now and get that momentum back that they had at the start of the season, we could be talking about Brentford as, you know, a team that can potentially challenge for the playoffs again. Obviously, if they can sort of keep going in the FA Cup together, we touched on uh, the other week about how, you know, it's a good cup run, detrimental to a league run. But I think in Brentford's case, you know, the more confidence they can take from results like this and and not being beating games, you know, they'll get that feel-good factor back around there and, and you know, hopefully for them, push back up the table. Um, the other game that sort of really stood out for me and there's a particular point in the game that I think we're going to touch on sort of shortly after this was the, the Reading-Villa game. You know, Reading finding themselves sort of down towards the bottom of the table at the moment and, and Aston Villa, who had picked up recently in, in the last few weeks, uh, obviously under Dean Smith, I, you know, if I was to sort of call that last week, I would have said that Villa would have gone there and, you know, won that game. But for for Reading, if they are to stay in the division, obviously they're a point off the sort of pack just outside the relegation zone at the moment. These are the games, you know, against teams just outside the playoffs or in that sort of chasing pack where they really need to be picking up points. You know, it's all well and good saying they need to win the games sort of in and around them. But, you know, between now and the end of the season, you know, your likes of Bolton, Rotherham, Millwall, Wigan, for example, are going to pick up points where people wouldn't expect them to. So a point like this against Aston Villa could be absolutely vital. And it probably sounds weird for me to focus on on Reading Villa as one of the 
sort of standout game to the weekend for me with it been nil nil. But I think, you know, definitely if Reading are to su- survive in the division, that could be, you know, a key point um, come the end of the season. Um, but obviously, as I alluded to there, and sort of the next topic we were going to come on to, I know you wanted to, to talk about this, Jake, the Tyrone Mings sort of stamp on Nelson Oliveira. Um, I'm sure most of us have seen the photo now, so I won't go into too much sort of graphic detail of it. But what was your sort of overall opinion on that? Do you think it was done on purpose? I know the sort of apology that he issued didn't seem, you know, very sincere um, sort of afterwards. What are your sort of general thoughts on, on the incident? I think it's it's difficult to know whether it was on purpose or not, but it's it's a it's a player that did it that just brings so much suspicion because he's done it before. Uh, he did it to Zlatan uh, a few seasons ago in a game against Manchester United. Got a five game ban for that one. Um, hasn't been given any sort of retrospective action for this one. Uh, the referees said they see it, saw it on 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 the day so they can't go back and, and punish it retrospectively now i think that's a, a, a ridiculous law um and one that needs to be changed because referees can be wrong uh, just because they see something doesn't mean because of that fact it shouldn't be punished um i think on this occasion it does it doesn't look good for tyrone mings it does look very very dodgy it just looks like he, he did it on purpose and, and he probably didn't mean to do the damage that he did, but if if you have if if you're a footballer and, and you've got you know you're wearing boots with things on the bottom, you should need to be careful and you need to know the dangers that that any sort of misuse or or just yeah just any misuse could, could have on another player. And if this was an accident, yeah, it could happen. But the amount of football matches we see across across the world on, on a on a daily basis, this thing doesn't really happen at all. So I, it just, it, yeah, it could have been an accident. I just don't think it is, and it's the fact that Tyrone Mings just makes it makes me think it was absolute, it was deliberate, uh, and and his comments since seem like he's trying to. It it was very much done in the heat of the moment, uh, and and looking back on it, he probably regrets it. But it's yeah, it doesn't look good, and and the fact that he's going to be playing on, well, Oliveira is probably not going to play for a while now, or at least you know probably miss a game or two because of that. It's yeah, it's a. It's a little bit concerning the, the the way the laws have gone on this one. It, it and his comments about about it afterwards, uh, sort of saying that nobody in the world nobody feels worse than he does about it. I just I just don't know if I believe that. I think he he's moved on very quickly. Um, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a disgrace that that nothing could be done about it now. But you know that's, that's the way the laws have gone, and, and Mings has got away with one here. I think, and I think he got away with one on, on the day. Escaping, escaping a red card. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said that, obviously, you know, you very rarely see sort of an incident like this across the whole world of football, really. And the fact that, you know, in just over two years, Tyro Mings has found himself at the centre of two, you know, pretty controversial stamps, we'll, we'll say. Um, obviously, the one against Ibrahimovic got a lot more attention with it being a Premier League game, you know, against uh, against Man United. Um, you know, rightly or wrongly got, got more sort of attention than this one will do. But, you know, I think you look at the first one, obviously, the incident on Slatan Ibrahimovic, and then to come back to this one and... You know, I think it goes down deeper than it's, you know, just a one-off accident. It is, as you mentioned, a player with the history of it. And I think, again, to echo your sort of sentiment there, you know, it doesn't seem like a particularly heartfelt apology and seems to have moved on quite quickly. So, obviously, you know... If, if, this, Red... was, if this was done to Harry Kane in the Premier League, there would be an absolute outrage about it. And yeah. the, the player would be hounded. There'd be calls for the FA to ban them for months and months. It's the fact it's the championship, and, and it's to a Reading player who who isn't very well known, and it's you know sort yeah, it's it's yeah it's 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 disgusting that 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 who you know depending on which player is affected that that the punishment and the reaction is different. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think as well you know what what players affected and the fact that it's happened in a league which doesn't have as much interest as, as the Premier League as well. You know, it's still happening in a game of football and should be treated exactly the same. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned, if it was done in the Premier League to someone like Harry Kane, for example, I think by now there'd already be, you know, a, a ban in place for Tyrone Ming. So while obviously the referee's seen it and there's not much now that can be done, I, I you know, sort of some common sense prevails and, you know, at least, you know, a one or two game ban. Because I think if the referee had, sort of properly seen it I, I don't think there's a way where he couldn't have sent Tyro Mings off whether he thinks it's you know deliberate or not the fact of the matter is it's dangerous play and you know most of the time if, if a player gets sent off for going over the top of the ball you know I don't think the intent is there to go out and hurt the opponent you know it's a poorly timed tackle for example and they'd still get a red card for that so you know, hopefully, you know, common sense prevails and, and there is something done because obviously we don't like to see anything like that in, in football. And I think I speak on behalf of you, Jake, that, you know, hopefully Nelson Oliveira, you know, gets well soon and he doesn't miss too much game time. Because I think especially coming to Norwich, uh, from Norwich, sorry, um, to Reading, you know, a place where he found it difficult to get into the, the first team in, in, you know, one of his first games for Reading, you know, to to go off injured and then, you know, potentially miss game time as he's looking to sort of re-establish himself in the championship is going to be sort of equally as disappointing for him. So, you know, wish him a speedy recovery and hope he's uh, sort of back soon. And I think Reading desperately, you know, will, will want him sort of back as quick as possible and firing on all cylinders again. Um, but to move away sort of from Reading and, and focus on the top of the table, obviously we alluded to earlier the fact that the the Leeds-Norwich game stood out for us and there was a couple of players in particular who sort of impressed us in that game. Um, we'll start with you first on this, Jake. Obviously, we talked about last week it was going to be a massive game at the top of the table. You know, Leeds could pull six points clear in Norwich, but on the other hand, Norwich could, you know, go level on points with Leeds and, 
and above them with a with a win on goal difference. Were you surprised by the outcome of the game? Is it sort of how you expected it to go, and and what do you think that sort of gives to Norwich now for the remainder of the season? I didn't expect it to go this way. I thought it was going to be. I thought the game was going to go how it did. It was going to be a hundred miles an hour. There's going to be chance at both ends. There there would be tackles and 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 it would be a great watch for the neutral. I just thought Leeds had the better players and, and the better understanding of their style to to make it work uh, and and to get the three points. Turns out I was wrong uh, and Norwich were were very very good. They were solid at the back, didn't concede too many clear-cut chances. I thought that the two in the middle, I thought Vrancic and, and, and Tribble were, were very, very good. Um, Stiperman as well uh, looked very good in the number 10 role. Uh, and Buendia and Hernandez, there's so much pace and, and technique and, and quality in that final third that they offered a real threat throughout the match. Uh, and Pucky doing what we know he could do in this league now. It was a bit of a risk when they brought him in, but he's one of the leading scorers, and it was just good reactions from him to to get that to get the goal and to you know pounce where Leeds sort of fell asleep when it went a bit loose in the area. But it was it was just a really really good game, and Norwich coming out of those two games against Sheffield United and and Leeds can take real confidence of where they're at because they are now top of the table and and they you know come up against two of their to the main opposition and taken four points, which is which is an excellent return, and they can be full of confidence. I, I'm still still need to see a little bit more consistency from them um, to really get properly confident about them going up. But right now they are the leading contenders, and and as I say, I need to see more from Norwich. I need to see more from all those teams up there because none of them are, are coming through as, as as the main contenders. I think Norwich. Have, were very good in this game, but there's there's been times when they haven't been and, and they've lacked consistency. But it, it's at times like this and matches like this that can give a team real confidence to go on and, and have that run of four, five, six wins. And I think that's that's what it's going to require for, from Norwich now. They've got an opportunity. They've got that confidence. They need to go on and really take it home and, and go on that run of wins. If they can do that and play like they did at Ellen Road, then they're going to be... A Premier League team next season. The one, the one comment I will have is that looking back at the game, I think it suited them quite well. The way they could counter attack and real and use their pace and and their technique and passing ability between the lines to get in behind leads who are quite open when they're coming up against a Sheffield Wednesday or a a Wigan or I don't know a a Derby that will be more solid and and will sit back and and won't be as open as Leeds. Derby perhaps a bad example, but you know, teams at, at the bottom of the table that, that sit back and let Norwich have the run of it. Are they going to be as effective? I'm not sure. And I think that's where they've dropped a lot of their points. So they need to find a different, they need to find a way of being dominant and to, to really take those matches like the way, the way they did on Saturday against Leeds. You know, they're not certainties to go by any stretch, but they are slowly emerging as the favourites. Um, but it's, it's very important how they follow this up with a couple more wins because if they don't, you know, it, it's it's wasted. Like you could go to Ellen Road and win, but if you if you know next weekend if they lose, what what good is it? They've you know it's, it's not because as inconsistent as other teams are, they they you know it's gonna 
they still need to. There, there will still be a couple of teams at the top of the table that do go on runs, and Norwich need to do that. Luckily, they got Ipswich next. Although Ipswich is an easy game for most teams this season, but the fact it's a derby, could that have an impact on, on Ipswich and get them to raise their game to a level that they haven't? It, it may do. I doubt it. And then you know Preston and Bolton following that up. They've got a nice run of games uh, to to really follow that up, and, and if they can go four wins on the bounce, then they, they are the, the title favourites, and, and like they'll probably build a quite a nice lead if they manage to do that. Um, I think the the real questions are for Leeds are, are just four losses in six, following the Spygate thing. Are these players finally running out of gas? Is uh, is Bielsa Bielsa's style starting to wane in the Championship? Is it starting to you know, tire and, and the players become less effective at it because of that. That's a real question that, that needs to be asked. I know there's concerns about it at the start of the season. Um, and it's important that they bounce back from this because if I think Sheffield United looking good, Norwich obviously looked good this weekend and have got a nice run of games. It's 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 a real question mark for Leeds because I think a lot of us expected them to go up this year. It seemed to be the year, but it it's difficult. Um especially given their intensity seems to have dropped and it, yeah it's it, it's difficult but yeah it's a, it's a massive win for Norwich and I've been among among Norwich's critics recently excellent win played very well got a lot of players that stood out but now they must take that and and, and win at least two of their next three I think Preston away is a, a slightly trickier one but if switch and Bolton they're two games they have to win yeah, I completely agree with you in in terms of uh, sort of the upcoming games for Norwich. I think you know the the Preston game out the free, and not just because I'm a Preston fan. You know, we've been picking up recently. Will probably be the hardest out of those three games. It's you know, I think on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, um, sort of in a week or so's time. So that'll be a tricky game for them. You know, the sort of travel during the midweek after a, a game at the weekend. You know, most teams sort of struggle with that. I mean, because you said the. The Ipswich game, even though it's a derby, I think it's at Carrow Road, you know, Norwich, regardless of it being a derby or not, I'd be, you know, expected to win that game and it'd be a massive upset if there was anything other than than a Norwich winning that. Obviously, the Bolton game again, you know, you'd expect them to win that. So, you know, over the next couple of weeks, if they can sort of keep up the intensity and as you touched on, no real team so far this season has put a consistent run together to, to pull away Um I don't think anyone this season will run away with it in the in the way Wolves did. But you know, if if the team wants to really stake a claim, they are going to have to to put a run together. Um, but going back to Friday night, you know, I completely echo what you said. I thought sort of watching Norwich, um, sort of a, a few times this season when they've been on TV, I've been constantly impressed with Mario Vrancic and the fact that he was able to go to Ellen Road and you know really boss the game. I think if it had been at Carrow Road he'd put that performance in you know we would have said it's good performance but to be expected at Carrow Road but to, to go to Ellen Road which is arguably the season one of the hardest places to go uh, was absolutely fantastic you know two well taken goals and if they can keep him fit I know obviously Moritz Leitner is out at the moment who you know usually plays in that midfield but if they can keep players like Rancic Leitner Stipperman as you mentioned fit I think they're going to you know really sort of cement themselves in that top sort of three or four um, for the remainder of the season. And, you know, as I said, if they can put that consistent run together, you know, I'd be sort of hard sort of to see anyone else really sort of coming close um, to the, 
you know, at the start of the season, I'd tipped them as a dark horse for the playoffs. You know, I thought they'd do well with sort of the signings they've made over the last two years. The the sort of signings that Farker's brought in have taken a little bit of time to adapt. Obviously, Rancic and Stippenman have both played, you know, over 50 or so games for Norwich now and are really starting to find their feet. Timo Puki came in in the summer with, you know, a mixed reputation, had played in the championship before and you know he's hit the ground running so it's been a gradual sort of process for Norwich over the last couple of years and they're really starting to see that pay off now so I think for the rest of the season they're going to be one of the teams you know to watch and, and they're really going to be the team that now sets pace especially with those next three games coming up and obviously you mentioned two wins out of those next three for them will be you know crucially important so hopefully that that one sort of drop points comes against Preston. Um, but yeah, sort of on the other end, you've got Leeds. Obviously, you mentioned Bielsa since that sort of press conference about Derby's tactics and, and the PowerPoint presentation. You know, they've not been in the best run of form. And we we sort of touched on in, it was about November time on the podcast, whether they could keep up with the demands of Bielsa's training style and, and the intensity that he plays at. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, there are starting to be questions asked. You know, they've got quite a young squad and not the biggest squad in the division. Um, you know, they added a couple of players in, in January to try and sort of bolster that. But, you know, at the same time, it'll take them a while to to sort of bed in. And I think the one real loss, which hasn't been sort of highlighted enough for them, is, is Saiz, um, leaving them. And going back to Spain, I think he was, you know, crucial to the way they played. And it doesn't really look like so far that they've managed to replace him. So I am a little bit fearful for Leeds. I think they'll still be in an around the top sort of three or four come the end of the season and um, sort of the players that they do have at the disposal you know have shown over the course of the the first sort of five or so months of the season that they do deserve to be where they are now um but i think you know over the course of the the next sort of month or so they could potentially drop a few points and you know if you've got norwich sort of winning games on a consistent basis which you know playing the way they did at ellen road is, is you know more than likely um it could really put pressure on Leeds and you know that chasing pack is only a few points behind and you know their next game as you mentioned Jake is uh is away at Middlesbrough so that's going to be you know a really difficult game especially with the the win that they had away at West Brom they'll be full of confidence and you know Middlesbrough versus one of the best the best defenses in the championship will, will make it difficult for Leeds so Massive result for Norwich. Uh, what you know, I, I, what I think is now. is interesting um, that I think it's worth mentioning is is West Brom, Middlesbrough, Bristol City, and Derby all have a game in hand, and, and I am I don't have the fixture in front of me to know if any if any of them are playing each other in that game of hand in, in, game in hand. But you know if, if they aren't and, and they all win those or or two of those win those, you know it it really does increase the pressure. And it although it looks like a big gap between Norwich and Leeds to to those four teams now. They all pick up three points. It does get tight up there. It really does. So it's it's by no means a, a three-horse race between those top three. Um, I, th- I think anyone down to seventh, it, it has to be considered in in the top the race for the top two. Um, advantage Norwich leads at the moment, but as I say, I think any of those top top seven can have aspirations of, of getting into that top two. Yeah, I completely agree. With you. And so sort of looking at the fixtures for this weekend, obviously Bristol City. To go away to Blackburn, you know, a game which, with the run of form there and at the moment, you'd expect them to win. Derby at home to Hull, which, you know, if they are going to sort of stay in the playoffs, which we'll come into in a second, actually, you know, you'd expect them to win. The real one for me 
this weekend for that chasing pack is going to be the Aston Villa Sheffield United game, um, and then sort of more so the the Middlesbrough Leeds game. I think those two games will have a massive bearing on sort of how the table will look over the next couple of weeks. Um, and obviously Norwich have really set themselves up nicely now. Um, obviously that derby on on Sunday lunch time against Ipswich, you know, well, sort of on paper, the easiest game of the weekend, top playing bottom. But, you know, as you touched on, derby match, so anything can happen. But I think, you know, next sort of episode of the podcast, the sort of dynamic of that, that top six or seven all have, all have shifted, you know, dramatically. And it, it makes for sort of a really exciting sort of next couple of months. Um, but one team, as I mentioned on sort of just then, that over the last few years, uh, you know, really sort of hit the ground running and then seemed to drop off and, you know, just sort of fall short of the players have been Derby County. Um, obviously, Frank Lampard in his first sort of managerial role in his first season with Derby, you know, they find themselves joint with Bristol City in that last playoff spot just for a slightly worse goal difference. I think three goals uh, sort of worse off than the Bristol. Do you see them, Jake, sort of sustaining that for the rest of the season or are you fearful that the, the inexperience sort of really of Frank Lampard could be their downfall over the sort of the next couple of months yeah it's an interesting question i'm quite a big fan of lampard and what he's doing there i think he's doing a good job um it's a lot of draws which which have held them back unfortunately but i think he's doing a good job and yeah they they they've dropped out the playoffs but i think that could have a galvanizing effect i think these are a group of young players with a lot of talent and they will be desperate to finish in that top six at the very minimum but it, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think I still think they'll finish there. I, I think they've got too much quality. And on their day, when when you when I've seen Derby uh, at Stamford Bridge this year, Old Trafford against Southampton in two games, um, even in some Championship games, when they are on form, they are very very good. Um, when it clicks, they are very good, and arguably have got have got the highest upside of 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 any team in the Championship when it's clicking. Um, that maybe not the highest upside, but you know, we're on their day, they are definitely one of the top four teams in the division. It's it's that the inconsistency that's really held them back. I think Mason Mount has been a bit of a miss when he's been out. Um, I think he should hopefully be returning soon, so that'll be a big, a big one uh, if he comes back, um, because he does provide someone a little bit different in the middle of the park. Um, and when they don't have him, it, it's very noticeable. I think they should be all right. Let's have a look at looking at upcoming fixtures. I think that game against Hull, I'm not certain. It's Eugene. I think that's a very tough game. Hull with, with Jared Bowen and, and Kamil Grisicki, very much kind of a two 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 man team. But those two players are very very good. Um, that'll be a tough one. The fact they're at home is is an advantage there. Then they got Ipswich, Millwall, Nottingham Forest, which are three games that that they can really go into win. I don't think Ipswich are really going to turn any sort of form up it for the rest of the season. I think Millwall. That's a game they should be winning because Mill they looked quite poor against Rotherham, and that's a game I thought they'd win. Nottingham Forest, if that wasn't a derby game, that would be quite rather a routine three points. I think Martin O'Neill, I've said it before, I don't think Martin O'Neill was a very good coach. It's just the fact it's a derby game makes it a little bit difficult. Then you've got Aston Villa away, difficult game, but Aston Villa can't seem to win against anything that isn't Ipswich at the moment. Then they've got three home games, Wigan, Sheffield Wednesday, Stoke. They're three very winnable games. I just think I just think they'll do it. I I don't know what it is. I just I just think they've got the players. I, I quite like Lampard. I think he'll be learning a lot this year, um, and I think they're going to go on. They're going to go on a run at some point, and I think they should be fine finishing that in that top six. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think they'll be fine. Um, 
bit of a worry that they that they dropped out, but but hopefully they'll they'll have a galvanizing effect. Lampard is very much a winner throughout his career, and he's and I think that will continue into management. I can't see them finishing. I just don't think they'll finish outside the top six. I think I think if anything, you know, we we could talk about Bristol City having this this long run of form. How long is that going to go? I think I'd still favour Derby over Bristol City at this point, but. You know, it it could change, but they need to they need to start winning games and winning games quickly. Uh, as I say, they've got a nice couple of nice few fixtures coming up. The whole game's a tricky one, but they you know if they win that one, they'll take got a lot of confidence to take into the take into the next two. The the only thing is that is that is the um, FA Cup going to be a distraction to them? And I, and I think they we spoke about it, how it can be quite good for a team in the middle of the the championship, or you know it can have positive impacts on, on a league form. I think for Derby, it could have the opposite thing, and I think they've they've gone a little bit too deep in the competition. But I still expect them to finish top six um, at this point. It could change in the next two, three weeks, as, as things always do, but at this point, I'd still favour them. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think at the moment, uh, sort of them and Bristol, um, sort of on paper, Derby have the better team. Obviously, Bristol have the momentum on their side at the moment, but I think Derby... You know, should have that sort of know-how, not necessarily with sort of Frank Lampard, but you know they have that experience in their team. Obviously, I mentioned you know players like Richard Keogh earlier. You know, season pros at this level, Tom Huddleston, for example. You know, been there, done it. Um, so I think those players over sort of the next couple of weeks will really come in crucial. Um, the only sort of slight worry I have for them, obviously, their their game against Hull on Saturday is. You know, sort of looking at the table, quite a big one in terms of sort of the playoffs. Obviously, Hull only three points behind, and you know, there's a whole host of teams on 43 points, four points behind Derby at the moment. So, you know, if Hull were to go there and, and get a win against Derby, and you know, a couple of those other teams can get wins as well, you know, immediately that takes the gap from what could be, you know, sort of seven points down to you know a single point. So. I think the next game for Derby in particular is going to be sort of really crucial for the Baron on the rest of the season. You know, a slip up against Hull and it gives that chasing that real sort of belief that they can catch, you know, Derby and Bristol and, and make a claim for that last playoff place, you know, but if Derby pick up, you know, the win in that game, you know, they sort of increase that gap over Hull and, you know, looking at uh, Aston Villa's fixtures as well, playing Sheffield United next on Friday night, they could easily drop points in that. So I think the game at the weekend for Derby is going to be absolutely massive and we should get a better sort of idea of, of you know, if they're going to sort of keep him with the playoffs, you know, between now and the end of the season after this weekend. Um, the only sort of other thing they have going in their favour as well is the fact that they have that game in hand against the chasing pack. Um, but, you know, Chasing the playoffs, it's better to have points on the board, um, especially as we mentioned with the fact that it's so tight in there at the moment, you know, and, and sort of anyone from sort of first down to sort of about 18th, 19th can beat each other on the day. So I'd rather have sort of points on the board and have that game in hand sort of in your back pocket. Um, so, yeah, definitely this weekend, I think is going to be absolutely crucial for Derby. Uh, and, you know, hopefully for them, they can uh, sort of turn up a performance against Hull and, and pick up three points. Um, but sort of before we finish off, obviously we'll we'll preview a few games for the weekend. And I mentioned the Villa Sheffield United game there on Friday night. How do you see that game going? Do you think that Sheffield United have 
bit in them to go to Villa and, and pick up the three points and really keep that pressure on the, the top two? Or do you think Villa will have a little bit too much for them, uh, sort of at Villa Park? Oh, it's difficult. I think the the problem with Villa is they just they just don't win. They just they don't win at this against Ipswich, and I just don't see them having enough to beat Sheffield United. I know Sheffield United didn't beat Norwich a couple of weeks ago, but they, they were the better team on the day. Uh, and I think that will give them confidence that they can go to Villa Park, who who are, Aston Villa maybe have more talent in their squad than, than Norwich. That point could be argued. Um, but they certainly don't have the, the tactical, the tactics or the, the understanding or the, or the confidence that that Norwich team have. So, so for that reason, I think Sheffield United are going to go there and win. Um, I could see it being 2-1. Um, obviously, Aston Villa as a, spoke about their quality. Um, obviously, they could beat anybody on their day. It's just... Those days don't come very often, and and I can't see one coming on Friday. So I'm going to go Sheffield United to win, and and move into top spot going into Saturday. Yeah, I completely agree. We I think you know Villa have been a little bit inconsistent uh, for a team that want to really challenge for the playoffs this season. Sheffield United have really sort of picked up where they left off last year and and built that momentum, and obviously with the goal difference that they have at the moment you know a win will take them top and that really puts the pressure on you know Norwich and Leeds more so Leeds having that really difficult game you know going to Middlesbrough who are sort of breathing down their necks as well um I think Sheffield United with the form they're in at the moment you know they are going to be sort of best placed to to challenge the top two um they sort of find themselves at the moment in that weird little position where there are a few points off the top two but have that that buffer of sort of a game until the other sort of teams play that game in hand where you know they are safe in that third position um so for them they'll be looking sort of forwards rather than over their shoulders at the moment and you know i fully expect them to go to villa park uh, and and get three points on friday night uh, by no means do i think it'll be easy um but i think you know the likes of billy sharp at the moment he's sort of rolling back the years with how he's playing and you know i'll expect them to go there and if i was to go for a score prediction they uh, probably probably 2-1 would be the, the score I'd go for. Um, but to move on to the next game, um, and it's one that we've sort of touched on a bit as well this episode, is the Middlesbrough-Leeds game on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Um, obviously, Middlesbrough coming off the back of that great win away at West Brom last time out, and obviously Leeds, the game that we covered earlier, suffering a home defeat at, uh, at Norwich. Um, how do you see the game going? Do you think it'll continue with sort of form, um, or do you expect Leeds to go to Middlesbrough and, and cause a little bit of an upset? So, so here's a stat for you, James. There's been under 2.5 goals scored in 12 of of Middlesbrough's last 13 home games. So, yeah, it's not going to be many goals in this one, and I think it's going to be a game that suits Middlesbrough. I think I expect Leeds to have a lot of the ball to to really push them, but Middlesbrough can defend and they can defend for long periods of time. Uh, and I think they'll do that, and I think they'll have the quality on the break and at set pieces to just pick leads off. Similar to how Norwich did, really. I think it's going to be a very similar story, although I think Middlesbrough have fewer attacks and show less positivity than Norwich did. I think it's going to be a similar story in how the game goes, and I could just see them picking leads off. I think leads are too open, uh, especially given that they, their fitness levels have dropped taking into account the amount of games they've been playing. So, yeah, I think Middlesbrough are going to pick them off. I, I think Middlesbrough are going to follow up that West Brom win with a win at home. Uh, and I think it's, yeah, I think they're really going to move into contention once they've done that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, it's nice of you to sort of bring a, a stat into it as well. Um, 
I know Louis would be happy uh, since he's the stat man on the, the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I think it'll be you know a tight game which will suit Middlesbrough. Um, I think Leeds, as you said, again, will have a lot of the ball. Um, but, you know, really that, that run that Leeds have been on, you know, four defeats in the last six has really sort of hampered them. Um, it will be interesting to see sort of how quickly they bounce back from this sort of blip that they're on. But I do expect Middlesbrough to, you know, make it a really difficult game. And if I was to put a bet on, I'd say, you know, Middlesbrough probably just shade it 1-0 um, and sort of really put that pressure on Leeds and, and you know, hope or maybe extend Norwich's lead at the top of the table if they can, you know, hopefully for them sort of get a win against against Ipswich on the on the Sunday. I think if Leeds do drop points going into that game at Carrow Road on the Sunday, you know, we'll add even more sort of emphasis to it. And uh, I fully expect Norwich then to capitalise on that. Uh, but yeah, I am a little bit fearful for Leeds in this one, and I think Middlesbrough will sort of just sneak it. Um, but the last game we'll cover just before we, we round up, we touched quite a lot on the top of the table um, over the sort of the two previous there. So the last one is, is Rotherham versus Wigan on Saturday at three o'clock. Um, obviously, again, as implications down the bottom of the table, both teams are sort of just outside that relegation zone at the moment and will be wanting to sort of pull clear sooner rather than later. Um, how do you see the game going? Do you expect Wigan to go to Rotherham and, you know, sort of pick up a win or do you expect Rotherham to, to get three points and sort of claw back that little bit of a gap that's opening up um, sort of from them and, and Millwall and Wigan. It's difficult. I think Wigan have got better players so I have more confidence but Rotherham work hard and we know this about them. They they If they're going to go down, they're going to go down uh, with a lot of lot of fight and spirit. Um, it's a difficult one. I'm going to go for a draw. Um, can't call it. If, if I had to if I had to favour one of the teams it would be Wigan but I just don't don't haven't seen enough from them to think they can go on a bit of a run now after they're winning as QPR. So I think it's going to be a draw. Um, what um, Rotherham do so well is draw games. I think they'll draw another one here. Yeah, I'd be sort of somewhat sort of in the middle of, of what you said. I think it'll be a, a really tight game. Um, I think Wigan, as you said, do have sort of the better players. Um, the one thing that I'm sort of fearful for, for Rotherham is the fact that they've only won the one game since New Year's Day, where it was actually Preston that they beat. Um, Wigan, you know, they've had two wins and two defeats in the last four, so they're sort of a bit inconsistent at the moment. Um, but sort of for, for how sort of inconsistent they are, those better players, you know, do look capable of scoring goals. So if I was to go for sort of a bet on this, I think Wigan might just shade it. Um, maybe 1-0 um, or 2-1 but I think Rotherham sort of their big issue at the moment is you know obviously while they're sort of working hard and, and sort of been in games they're you know not really picking up the points at the moment so I think Wigan will go there and, and sort of just nick it um, so yeah that'd be my prediction for that one um, but with that we're out of time um, if you want to let anyone know Jake now sort of any projects you're involved in or anything that they can uh, sort of find you on social media wise now would be a good time yeah you can get me on twitter at jake Chappell with two ends you can also hear me on the, the premier league show sometimes on the same channel so check that one out and yeah just thanks for listening yeah and as i said at the start of the show you can reach me on my twitter page which is at underscore james vickers where i tweet mainly about preston north End. and more importantly you can reach us on the show on our twitter page which is at championship pod uh, each episode's pinned on there so obviously give us a follow and you won't miss an episode 
Um, but cheers for joining me today, Jake. Um, hopefully next week we're back up to a full complement with Louis back, and uh, there's not so much of us two talking, and I'm dying for a drink of water now. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.